0: Welcome to the DASH Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Gammage, SEL Consultant and Dean of Students. Here on the DASH, relationships and communication come first. That's why every week our goal is to provide social-emotional learning solutions for your school community. You can learn more about me and the DASH Podcast at TreyGammage.com, where you'll find our middle and high school SEL workbook, Every Decision Counts, more about the dash podcast and my story through education and if you are in need of accessible autonomous continued education check out our adult sel platform seleducators.com the only platform dedicated to adult social emotional learning activities Lastly, we want to give a big thanks to the Teach Better Podcast Network for putting together a collection of podcasts dedicated to supporting the entire school ecosystem through in-depth conversations that you care about. Thanks again for joining us. I hope you enjoyed the episode. This is The Dash.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the DASH podcast. I've got a guest with me, Miss Jennifer Velez. She's out in Los Angeles, California right now, but she has been in Egypt and New York as well. She has a mission to create access and equity in education. And oh, what a time to have a conversation about access and equity in education. Uh, Miss Velez, you know, just to jump right into what's going on in the world right now, you know, we had a Pre-conversation already, um, you know, we're, we're finding out that police are not going to be charged for killings of black men that have happened across the country, and um, MAGAs have rioted against the world capital. What what in the world does this mean from you know a diversity, equity, access perspective? Um, and for just a little bit more context, you know, uh, uh, the preface of you know how how are you addressing this in your school? And, and I can see how some people would have a hard time answering the question. If this is not your realm of experience, why why and how should I address this issue?
2: Uh, first Trey, thank you for having me today. I'm really excited to be engaging in this conversation with you. Um, yeah, it's a tough one. As so many of us are still processing, right? Uh, this has been a roller coaster of a week. Um, started out with the news about Tamir Rice on the 29th, like we were saying before. Then Kenosha with Jacob Blake, Uh, Wednesday morning, we woke up with a little bit of glimmer of hope. We heard about some great news. Georgia was flipped blue. It was done by Black women. It was amazing. Um, I was thinking about John Lewis and how sad it is that he is not here to be able to see that happen. Um, And then I quickly fell back into my sadness and just thinking, like, all of the kids that were going to show up into school in Kenosha and sit in classrooms where they're not having access to learn their actual history, the mm-hmm. real history, because schools, unfortunately, public school systems especially, don't provide that. Um, there's a definitely an inequity in access to private school to public schools, we as we know. Um, and so they're showing up into classrooms, not learning their real history. This country is constantly telling them black lives don't matter. Every time they try to stand up and fight for black lives through protests, um, we know how that turns out. And then yesterday, there was an attack on the Capitol with blatant white supremacy, riots, um, terrorism, because that's what that was. Mm-hmm. And people were peacefully removed from the environment, you know. And this is just the contrast is so bold and blatant to me. I'm, I'm just, I don't understand how people still don't see it.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'll say too. I'll be honest. In years past, you know, particularly working with minoritized schools. A lot of times it it seems like some of the issues that the world is dealing with aren't necessarily happening in my school because it's not a, uh, you know, majority white population. We have majority African-Americans. And so we understand what we're going through. And so I I may not address this type of conversation as explicitly. So I think it's worth even having, you know, a a conversation. How do you, how do you address it? Do you, give your teachers guidelines do you just show support you know like what are what are the ways that you can you know address and even continue to address um something like these current events these world world changing events that are happening right now
2: yeah well uh one of the things that i did in my last role was increased the number of um school therapists in the building by 50 percent, and i think that that needs to be the answer to a lot of things. I mean, your whole podcast about social emotional learning, right? And we need therapists, trained therapists to be part of that process. Um, This is trauma, right? It's uh, psychological trauma. It is ongoing. This point it's it's PTSD, right? Schools today, what they should be doing is, yeah, they should be having conversations with the teachers and teachers should be addressing them in their classrooms. Oftentimes, these conversations are difficult. So what happens is people just avoid them because they don't want to get into it because they feel it's too difficult and they don't know what to say.
1: Hmm. That's why
2: leadership needs to step up and prepare teachers, right? Teachers need to be doing the research, etc., as well. Um, they need to know that their leadership thinks it's okay that they address these topics because it's essential, they do, the conversations need to be happening and they need to be talking directly to students and saying like, how do you feel? How do you feel about this? How are you processing this? Are you talking about this at home? How are you experiencing this in your environment? Was it mm-hmm. hard for you to get up for school today and have to, you know, whether you're logging onto a computer or rolling into school, like whichever way, was that hard for you to do?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, that's th- those are and those are the questions that put the person first, which, which is, something that i've been grateful for in 2020 is is how as educators i've been looking at castle recently the collaborative academic for SEL, and and anybody listening to the podcast knows i love castle but they did some updates to their um sel framework or their their guide for admittance to the evidence-based curriculum program and it included a lot of things that added conversations about adult SEL. It added conversations about equity. It added conversations about inclusion and more in-depth practices to go along with them. So I think even, <clears throat> you know, if I can reminisce for a moment, when I was in college, I was the master of ceremonies for the Diversity Affairs Council. And it was an amazing opportunity for me because as a college athlete, I we typically didn't have chances to be involved in different organizations outside of athletics. So on that council, I got an opportunity to see the 89 different diversity, equity, and inclusion organizations that we had on campus and see how they operate, see how they function and really have a whole different level of respect for what those words diversity, equity, and inclusion meant. The same in student affairs, you see that at the college level as well, that level of diversity, equity, and inclusion. But when, when I was in college, this was 2011 to 2015. Those are still buzzwords. No, they, they were not the standard. It was not the expectation. I feel like where we are right now or where we're trending is, is far beyond the buzzword. And it's more of our reality. Like this is the expectation, but obviously you've got two factions of folks that, that one part of us believe in equity, diversity, and inclusion. And there's another faction of of white Americans that believe that they're going extinct and want to save the old America that kept minoritized people oppressed. Mm -hmm. I I, I know I said a lot, but I'll just let you (laughs) go where you need to go there.
2: Well, first, I'm wondering where you went to college because I'm impressed that you had 89 DEI, Diversity, Equity, Inclusion organizations. Um, where did you go? That's impressive.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I went to um, Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. Okay. So, so we did have 16, or still do have about 16,000 um, students on campus, and and still under a thousand minority students. So, I, I mean, the the opportunities, and I, I continue to you know, praise my alma mater for their undergraduate teaching. I'm still involved in the alumni department. There's just so much that um, going to school there did for me, and I'm continuing to reap those benefits. So that was certainly one of them, being able to see, like you said, that level of diversity. This is how much we can diversify, you know, on a campus with less than a thousand people. This is the level or less than a thousand people of color, I should say. Um, or in the LGBTQ community or in a minoritized population, there's 89 different organizations that can be separated in that umbrella.
2: Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I went to school in uh, New York City, which uh, is diverse, right? But of course, with diversity doesn't mean that there's psychological safety and all these things. Like, there are still issues in New York as well. Um, And my undergrad was... It was a. I I knew about inequity before undergrad. Let's put it that way. But it was a really um, the privilege and opportunity that I had to go to college first was mm-hmm. a, a shining blazing sign that you know there is inequity because not everybody has that opportunity or the opportunity to make the choice because um, choice is a huge component of you know diversity equity inclusion. Um, yeah, I went to City College, which is actually referred to as the um, the poor man's Harvard, mm-hmm. and we. I, in the shadow of Columbia University, which I'm sure you know, it's a, yeah. you know, Ivy League private school. Yeah, Ivy League, exactly. Um, and my school wasn't, and it was referred to as the poor man's Harvard because we shared a lot of the same um, professors uh, and we were world-class in so many ways. And I still, I mean, even more so than my grad school or uh, mm-hmm. my post-grad education, I think it was a great university, but um, I think the school lacked diversity, honestly. Mm-hmm. And like you said about minoritized schools, the population, because there was so many people of color, it's like they felt like they didn't necessarily have to address it. And it's like, you do still, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting conversation. I mean, because everything is so whitewashed, you know, and what Muhammad Ali said, why is everything white good and everything black the devil? Why is angel food cake the white cake and the devil food cake the chocolate cake? Why is a, a black male? You know, a big deal, but a white lie is a small lie. Like, why? Why are these things separated in that way? So, you know, I think it comes to light here, and I think just continuing. So, where my head goes, even with this situation of the U.S. Capitol and in how our, I saw Kamala Harris uh, tweeted or, or Instagram that. We have two justice systems. The same thing that Maham or excuse me, Martin Luther King said in the sixties, we've got two Americas. You know, there's one America that's living high on the hog, and there's another America that's struggling in, in um other lands. But in that reminiscent field of flow, uh, going back to my last semester of college, I did have a chance to study abroad in Luxembourg and visit 14 countries while I was abroad. And it was again in that place where I felt so connected to myself and i felt like i had respect in every place that i went i did not really? feel eyes looking at me because and i'm i'm talking austria germany portugal uh prague i'm talking all over europe I, I felt very comfortable i felt very confident and it was actually it was other people that i felt were stigmatized against there was other people that that did not feel safe and it was more so not because they didn't know where I was from. You could be from Portugal. You could be from wherever. But but some of my my white uh, classmates looked like tourists, you know. And mm-hmm. so they got looked at the way that I get looked at in America. So it was a very freeing feeling, not because I was black or white, but because I look like I'm of the people, um, and, and and by the way you dress or whatever. But those are the kind of things that stuff like this takes me back to. Is there is there has been a time when I felt comfortable. There there are times when I feel safe. There is there is places that I can go and feel secure secure where police not only are they not abusing people that look like me, but they are, are not even carrying weapons that could, could do the harm that some of our American uh, people are, are, are police are doing to black folks. So it's it's um those places exist. You know, and maybe I saw only a version of these countries and these places, but that's my experience, you know, in and, and it it made the world flat for me.
2: Yeah, so racism, as we know, is definitely a global problem, but it's a very unique problem in America. And you know, I've lived abroad in Guatemala in Dominican Republic in Haiti and Egypt. And okay, so race is individual to there too, and they are colonized countries also. So um, racism is present there in a, a very different way, but comparatively to Europe, um, I mean, I'm just grateful that you've had that experience, but then the harder part of that is then you come back to America home Mm -hmm. and that's that stark contrast is what you have to live amongst right and you have to deal with on a daily basis
1: yeah yeah it's it's there's a lot going on there's a lot going on so i mean i I think just going into more of you know we could talk about what's going on on the surface all day but i think when you get into the roots and i think the purpose of this podcast is to provide solutions you know so we don't just focus on the problem what are the solutions so you know our solutions tend to be SEL focused teacher support focused in, in building social emotional competence to support these educator outcomes. Your lens is coming from that diversity, equity, inclusion lens. How did you, you know, I know we touched on it, but how did you get into the DEI world and, and where are you trying to go now as an educator as well?
2: Yeah, so I actually wasn't always in education. I was in policy previously. Um, lots of my own marching, you know, things like that, protesting, et cetera, um, advocating for persons in need. Um, I transitioned to education because I felt like I I wasn't making enough of an impact. And I never considered myself a naive person. You grow up in New York, you're not naive, I thought. Um, And then I was like, I need to get into education so I can make a difference. Transitioned into education thinking that everyone was there, was, um, you know, for the same things that I was, I just, I made assumptions that, that were wrong, um, you know, that they wanted everyone to have equal access and, you know, be able to thrive and succeed in schools. And that's one of the things I learned about education in my time there, that that wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. the case. Right. <laughs> but um, sorry, I got off track there for a second, but yeah, I just, I want every person to have access to education. Right. Um, it's education is a ladder, right. And it's, doesn't have to be the latter that you choose because choice has to be a component too, but um, we just need to do more. Our schools are failing. You know, when you mention uh, you know, what types of solutions to problems are, one of the things I think of is history, right? Uh, we don't typically think of um, history being a component of SEL, but the truth is that in schools now, most often, we're lying to kids and we're not telling them what the mm. history is of, of this country, right? Um, or of the African diaspora or um, colonization. We're not talking about yeah. that stuff you know, in undergrad, mentioning that again, um, I was, that's what my studies were. I was focusing on the socio-political experience of how race, gender, ethnicity, sexuality, et cetera, intersect and how you experience living in a world like America um, when you have these different intersectionalities. Um, I got to learn about the history that I definitely didn't learn when I was growing up in public school, right? Mm -hmm. And I went to pretty diverse schools. So that's where we need to start. Like, the problems in education are actually the education itself. <laughs> we need to reframe um, and tell the truth basically. And there needs to be SEL along with that for sure. Like it needs to be explicitly taught but it also needs to be ingrained into other subjects. Um, yeah. But we need to first start to make sure that we're actually teaching kids the truth and that they don't just you know, graduate high school and then yeah. it's like the trauma of realization.
1: I like that, I like that. Well, you, you did hit on something that may not be the same type of policy. as a As a school leader, whether it's head of school, dean of students, cultural climate, principal, assistant principal, if if you're just getting started with an initiative like this, or or say you're about to take over a school in this leadership position, where where should you start? Where what like is there is there a needs assessment that I need to to look at first? How do I begin to assess my level of equity, and how do I improve it?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so first, I want to say, you know, I, I, I do some consulting and I tend a lot of interviews and people always ask me, oh, how can I fix my school, you know, mm-hmm. and the most important thing is that the concept of equity and access that remains the same. We want everybody to have that right. But what equity looks like for each person and access looks like for each person is very unique. We're all unique, we have different abilities, et cetera. Um, And we need different supports to thrive, whether you have a disability or not, or doesn't matter, right? We all need things to help us thrive. Um, So it really, you need to learn about that environment first. You need to speak to the people in that environment and build rapport and understand. Um, And the reason I say rapport is so important is because people need to feel psychologically safe with you if they're going to tell you like their deep, dark insides and how they're feeling about things, right? So it requires stepping into an environment and learning about it, building rapport, seeing what that environment needs and what that environment is talking about and what they're not talking about too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it requires a little bit of an undercover work, I'd say, but there is actually a technical assessment that you could do, the AIM assessment. Um, You know, it's broken up into different teams throughout the school that kind of collect data in different ways. And then you bring the data together and you break up different teams and kind of helps you paint a picture of um, the data that you have. And then how you move forward with that data is going to look different in each school. Um, And now we're starting to see a lot of schools create DEI roles, um, specifically with that title, like diversity, equity, inclusion director, or something like that. It's a new thing. It should have been something that's always existed, honestly. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the best and worst things of 2020, I'd say, is that um, there was always a need for it, but people are finally starting to pay attention and realize, and a lot of these white people who were sleepy to it before are finally starting to wake up. And, you know, when you look at K through 12 education, um, majority of the leaders in those school buildings are white, even in the minoritized mm-hmm.
1: schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, uh, we, we've had a, a lot of conversations on here too, about the, the, the lack of minority educators and, and the fact that 2% of educators are black males and and those numbers get magnified depending on, where you are. I know you're in California. So, you know, your, your rates of black population or Latino population for that matter may be much greater than the, the white teachers. Whereas where I'm at in South Carolina, everywhere you turn is, is black folks do everything here. You know, we, we lead the school boards, we lead the schools, whatever the case is, there's, there's black people in leadership. So the numbers of diversity may be a little bit skewed depending on where you are in the nation, for for that matter. I am curious too, um, Jennifer, is there, there uh, maybe a key resource? I love the CASEL resource, the CASEL Schoolwide Guide to SEO Implementation. That's one of my go-tos when it comes to um, social emotional learning information and, and content that I share with folks that I pull for myself that's just a wonderful tool. Is there any tools that, that you have or would recommend that anybody utilize to to gain best practices, strategies, or even just understand what diversity, equity, and inclusion is?
2: Uh, absolutely. That, that is actually a constantly changing um, answer that I have for you. The thing is that you know, the concept of diversity and increasing diversity has existed for forever, way, way before us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that the movement itself has really started to change within the last year. Um, Even, you know, when you look at typical HR departments um, and they're hiring for DEI roles, for example, they're like, we want somebody with 10 to 15 years experience. And it's like, well, the people who were working honestly in diversity roles, 10 to 15 years ago, they weren't progressive like this. They were trying to maintain the status quo. That's not what we're trying to do. Right. Um, So, you know, I love research. I'm a data nerd. PhD research, et cetera, um, the number one thing that I always recommend is access to scholarly journal articles, right? There are social scientists doing amazing research on these mm-hmm. topics right now, um, and that would be my first direction. Uh, the other place I would say is getting connected to other professionals who are in the field. Um, I would say on a daily basis, like LinkedIn is a great, a great platform for professionals, and that's actually where I connect with a lot of other colleagues. hmm it's a great platform because there are people doing the research, um, prakt- like actually practitioners who are using it in their workplaces, their yeah. schools, etc., and sharing the resources. And yeah. not that I'm saying we should be, you know, grabbing all these resources for free, but it's a really good place to start to educate yourself. Um, sorry, no, God, I thought you were going to say something.
1: No, I mean I'm I'm just in agreement with you. I think those are those are great. I, I'm I'm in an SEL certification course now. And because I'm in the course, I get access to some of these scholarly articles and my goodness, they're amazing, you know, and, and I am not the data nerd the way that you are. I hated probability and stats. I, I, I was <laughs> not a fan of the research component of my psych degree, but, but, uh, or the data part, but I, I do, I can interpret more than, than analyze and all that. Um, yeah. So I, I hear where you're coming from there, but I agree with, you, you know, I agree with um, where you're coming from. I think that's a, 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 I agree with where you're coming from and it's a great idea.
2: Yeah, I think the thing too for me is um, there are still a lot of people, I mean, I'm gonna tell you, you're a black man, so I'm sure you know, but there are still a lot of people that are deniers and are like, oh, racism isn't real. I mean, I've got trolls sliding into my DMs all the time telling me this, mm-hmm. right? Um, the reason I love leaning on research is because you can't fight science. I mean, you can try, look at America 2020, right? <laughs> they tried to- right. they tried Many people tried to fight science all year with COVID, but you can try. But like, I love to lean on um, data and science because of that, right? Like, it's like, okay, fine, debate with me. You don't want to believe that racism is real. Okay, well, here's proof. (laughs) You know, I've got receipts. So you can't argue with that.
1: Yeah, yep, it's right there. The proof is in the pudding. Um, Exactly. Well, I feel better having this conversation with you myself, honestly. This is, um I, I've had some time to unpack it a little bit and, and what's going on, but I haven't had a chance to just kind of just, just be, you know, with myself. I know we're on the podcast or whatever, but, but it, it feels good to just be able to talk, you know, about what's, what's going on or what's on my mind, whether it's, you know, specific to um what's happening in america at the white house with with the magas or if it's if it's just my experience you know what this is making me think about is is when i want to go study abroad about what we can do in our schools and and honestly what what how can i show support to school leaders right now and just say hey i know what's going on right now is tough uh, here's a few strategies i've seen some great strategies from uh, we restore more they they put a, three questions that you can be asking your teachers or to your classroom. I'm glad we sent that out at my school. I'm, I'm glad we um, are just taking the time to understand what's going on right now, that history is changing before our eyes. And I appreciate you having this conversation with me.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I was happy to be here. I want to um, actually mention one more uh, thing, because we were talking about SEL, and I, I was mentioning history and DEI being an important component of it. Uh, you could check out um, Elizabeth Leiba, uh, L-E-I-B-A, on uh, LinkedIn. She's kicking off courses starting February 1st. Um, I think the website's Black Culture Academy. If not, I'll send it to you and we can put it in the comments or something. Perfect. Um, but yeah, Black Culture Academy, and it's focused on African-American history and how we can take that and build equity in schools. So I'm really excited mm-hmm.
1: for that. All right now, All well, in, in right. Where, so where can the people find you as well? I know you're on LinkedIn. That's how we connected. Um, where worlds. Oh, and that, that's another piece I was going to say too, that I forgot. Sorry. That's how you and I connected on LinkedIn. And, and that's a place where I've been trying to be more intentional about connecting with folks in 2020 and, and just recognizing like, hey, I'm friends with a lot of educators right here. Let me just check in and see what's going on. Okay. Perhaps we could have a conversation to just check in. I've done that. Just say, hey, what you good? We're good. Here's what we're doing. That's what you're doing. All right, cool. Have a great semester. Or in this case, you know what? let's have a podcast conversation, but d- just connecting and you never know what you get. So shout out to LinkedIn too. And anyway, where can we find you at? And, um... Um,
2: yeah, LinkedIn, uh, Jennifer Velez on LinkedIn. Um, I think I have like a comma M S. I don't know if you just search Jennifer Velez, I'm sure it'll come up, although it's a quite a popular name, supposedly. Um, I don't actually have any other social media. Um, I was on social media forever. I was actually like huge about my Instagram. Um, And then 2020 happened and I was like, you know what? I just got a lot of anxiety about things that are happening and I need to process on my own. linkedin is my like one professional space that i started because i was uh looking for it i'm looking for a job so like it made sense for me Uh, but i don't actually have any of the social media because i'm like i need to process and not process through other people's feelings which is a huge piece of SEL right that self-awareness yeah
1: Yeah. well you're you're taking advantage of the self-awareness and self-management that's there's some (laughs) discipline goes along with that too so um yeah i certainly appreciate it thank you so much for the time and i look forward to our Continue the conversation. Um, Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dash Podcast. If you like it, share it with your teachers. Share it with your students. Share it with your friends. It's a conversation about what's going on in our world. And and how you feel about it is is how you feel. And and it's okay to feel how you feel, regardless how that is. Um, Thank you very much. Like it. Share it. Come visit us at SEOeducators.com. We'll see you next time. This is the dash.